It's a jackalope carnival. Jack, jack, jackalope. Jackalope carnival. First, you turn the time circuits on. This readout tells you where you're going. This one tells you where you are. This one tells you where you were. Not quite sure how these physics are going to work. But, uh... Here comes nothing! It's broken the sound barrier! Mark 1.3. Buckaroo, do you read? Commence breaking procedure over. My is correct. Joe. Abracadabra. So what is a time slip? So a time slip is an experience that a person says they have or have where they report that they either travel to another time and they're kind of immersed in a different time and place. So they see around them a time period that is not their own and people So dressed... like when I moved to Idaho as a child? <laughs> yes, it was exactly like that. I'm not kidding. There was when we moved to Rigby, there was a sign that said, "Welcome to Rigby, Idaho. Set your clock back 10 years." Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, there you have it. There's some neighborhoods around Baltimore who have a similar uh, kind of reputation, but I won't besmirch them here. But this is not what you were speaking of. This is not. Uh, rather, some significant amount of time slippage. So there are stories, for example, of people in the 20th century seeing people who are wearing clothes that would be more in place during the high Renaissance, say. So are you sure they didn't just like wander into a Renfest somewhere? Yeah, no, because they'd be seeing like Star Wars characters because I've been to Renfest. Right. Or do you ever notice that whenever you go to any kind of historical fair like that, everybody speaks with bad British accents? I have, yes. And you're like, I'm pretty sure that accent's not right. Yeah, I actually, you know, took my ex-in-laws who were British, are still British, um, to <laughs> Colorado Renfest, and they were really confused. <laughs> oh, here's a trivia for you. Did you know that the accent of English that we are speaking right now is more similar to the Shakespearean accent than the London accent that is used like in BBC today? I did. And did you know, I have a little trivia for you, mm -hmm. that um, actually the Elizabethan accent, the thing that they find closest is in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. It's in our Outer Banks. Yeah. In Ocracoke Island specifically. Yes. There is, so, and there's some other islands in the Chesapeake as well that have similar. But yeah, I have heard about that. It's pretty cool. So you might end up in the Ocracoke and think just by hearing those voices, you've had a time slip. Is that what you're trying to tell us? Sure. Or how about this? Next time you go to a Renfest, just take your favorite friend from Ocracoke and have them do all the talking. Do the hoitoid exactly. accent. All right. So there's a plan. The other thing that a time slip could be is that something kind of enters into our time that is out of time, like an anachronism. So that temporarily someone shows up again wearing clothes, you know, again, they look like they've just stumbled in from the red vest, but something lends the experiencer to believe that it's simply more than just a person in a costume. Eric, I'm, I'm starting to get 
a feeling that we might be misleading our listeners to think that these things only happened with the Renaissance. Right. That's it. The only, <laughs> it's only the Renaissance. Yeah, no, right. And Star Wars. Oh, no. Yeah, that's what a time slip is. Now you know. All right, episode done. <laughs> it's in the books. Wow, we got there quick. No, actually, the two I'm going to talk about today, neither one of them involve the, Ren- the Renaissance, the European Renaissance at all, and are much more recent. Stories of time slippage actually go at least as far back, but actually I'm going to argue towards the end of this episode that they go back much later, but at least into the 19th century. And one of the more famous examples we have, of course, is Mark Twain's A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Yes. And I was just looking over that text and I realized that the method of time travel in the book is a blow to the head. Hmm. Right. <laughs> so someone gets hit on the head and they're transported back into King Arthur's court. But at the end, they're brought back to the present day by Merlin uh, doing magic. So there you have it. So is this like a, you know, give it a try, hit yourself on the head or find a wizard? I'm going to say which one's easier. <laughs> opposite. I'm going to say that I explicitly would tell all of my listeners not to intentionally hit themselves in the head, please. Don't try this at home. Do kids. not try that at home. That's Samuel Clemens suggesting that, not me. I, you know, we live here in the 21st century and we know that brain injury is real. So take that seriously. I'm pretty sure Mark Twain knew brain injury was real. <laughs> I don't know. Like those old movies where people just knock each other out left and right, like those old detective stories, those folks, their brains must be mush. They get knocked out every single episode to the point their concussions are so bad they, they get knocked unconscious. Uh, yeah. All right. So here's two famous examples. Stories, if you will, as we are, in fact, a carnival of stories. Two stories about time slips that I want to talk about this week. And the first is comes from Gettysburg College, which is not far from where we went. I've been there. We've both been there. Where we've been before. Right. So I looked around the internet and actually looked at some of the books I have. It's mentioned in one of my books from the 80s. So this story's been floating around for a while. Even though, honestly, the story is supposed to be from the 80s. So when one one book mentioned it, it must have been pretty recent. But now we could have a time slip back to the 80s. Oh, we're already there. Goodness gracious. Yeah, I don't think you left. <laughs> True. However, have you noticed the 80s? Sorry, I will are... not besmirch your... Um... You're not besmirching. You're accurately describing. I know, celebrating. Right, yeah. But also just it's kind of in fashion right now with Stranger Things and all the rest, right? Everybody's into 80s chic and whatnot. So anyhow, Gettysburg College, which is a small liberal arts college in southern Pennsylvania, rural Pennsylvania, it was there during the Civil War. It was there during the Battle of Gettysburg. And indeed- don't say- (laughs) Well, I mean, some folks might not know that. They might oh, think okay. that the, yes. they might think that the college was built after yes, 1863, yes, no. and it was not. Uh, and Pennsylvania Hall was built in 1832. And Pennsylvania Hall was actually used as a hospital in a morgue uh, during the 1863 battle. And, of course, most people know that Gettysburg was an incredibly deadly battle in the Civil War. Yeah, I believe even I mean I believe pretty far around anything they could use for a morgue they did because even where we went to school which was a bit away they said that they took some bodies there as well. Hmm. 
Yeah, it's it was a shocking amount of death, actually, that happened during that battle. So in the 80s, at this Pennsylvania hall that used to be a hospital and a morgue during the battle, and again, flashing forward here to the 20th century, 1980s, a pair of college administrators are finishing up the day. They're going in Pennsylvania Hall to the first floor and they're taking the elevator and the elevator goes right past the first floor and takes them straight to the basement. Well, it's an old building and the elevator, although obviously not going back to the 19th century, is pretty old too. And they're thinking like, whatever, here we go again, except here we go again, not Uh, the doors open. And instead of seeing the storage area of the building, they open up to a civil war hospital. And it is absolutely horrifying. There were amputations, there's blood, there's doctors, there's bone saws. At one point, one of the women who experienced this said that one of the doctors actually looked straight at her. So there was some interaction going on between the people in this time slip and the person experiencing it, which isn't something that is always reported as happening. Well, the doors close. I'm sure there's some frantic button pushing. And the the two college administrators go up to the first floor and they track down the chief of security at Gettysburg College and they tell him the story. This sounds like a really good ghost story, right? When you take those ghost tours in colleges in undergrad and they're like, you know, there's somebody who has a, a, a flashlight under their chin and uh-huh. they kind of tell you the stories and you don't know if they just were completely made up or not, right? So I'm looking for some kind of way of corroborating that there's any source that says that this might have actually happened. Not an urban legend. And it's not an urban legend, right. And because all of the accounts do not refer to the women by name. They're both women. They're both college administrators, but they don't give names. They don't give titles or anything like that. And they don't give an exact date. And so you're starting to think, eh, this might not be real, except that I actually tracked down an episode, uh, season eight, episode three of Unsolved Mysteries. Do you remember that television show? Yeah, I watched the reruns. Well, in season eight, episode 13, they tell this story, too. And they actually interview a man by the name of Tim and Lynn. And Tim and Lynn was the chief of security at Gettysburg College at that time. And he's on camera looking straight in the camera, talking about this exact story. And it's interesting because, I mean, he puts his name on it, right? His name's right up there. So is his job title. And he looks straight in the camera and he says, look, I don't believe in ghost stories, but these two women told me this story that night and they looked legitimately shaken up and I knew them personally. And I have no reason to believe that they were lying. They obviously experienced something that upset them very badly. And at that point I was like, well, here we go, right? We actually have something that we can hang some now how did they get out of this situation like frantic button pushing the doors closed clicking their heels no 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 again i i go back if you go back into the wayback machine if you get rewind they never got out of the elevator i guess i just like did the people see them did the how was there this at all listening to my story i was but i want more detail like (laughs) so apparently they were looking out of the elevator They were looking into this grisly, ghastly scene. One of the people looks up and sees them. I Now, this is my embellishment. They're like stabbing at the elevator buttons like one. That's what I would do, right? If I was there in the situation, I would both be probably screaming or saying 
most likely be saying some vulgar word over and over again. And I would be just jabbing at the door closed button, wouldn't you? I know, but I, I've seen some time. I've read some time slip stories, as uh-huh. you recommended I do. And it seems like a whole elevator is just another part a little, a little farther than most go. So the doors close and it, the elevator <laughs> takes them back to the first floor. That's the whole progression of, of events here. Okay. Well, you know, Eric, I've had a, an, I've actually had an experience. I worked at a museum and I worked in the basement and I had to move my car at four o'clock because that's when they would ticket you. So I had to leave and then come back every day um, and work till 530. So I did leave, move my car by four o'clock and then come back. And one day I went, left the museum and the basement and I came back and I was shocked because when I came back, there were people dressed as though they were in the civil war. This is what made me think of it. And they were lining the hallway on either side. Then I noticed that one of our museum administrators was there and realized that he was a historical (laughs) interpreter, but I had to walk the gauntlet of these civil war soldiers and they were waiting to have a a civil war flag brought in and his, they don't like to be called reenactors, (laughs) but his historical interpreter group reenactors, they were waiting to welcome this flag back to the museum or whatever. So I actually was ahead of the flag. And so I had to walk through their gauntlet of uh, (laughs) hoop skirts and uh, uniforms. So that was pretty strange. But no, there was no. So I'm wondering, like, maybe, you know, were there reenactors? Sometimes they get really into it. (laughs) Sure. Although I think that, correct me if I'm wrong, I've never heard anyone reenacting the hospital scene to the point of blood and broken bones and bone saws. But here's where the story goes. Tim and Lynn says on camera for Unsolved Mysteries that he accompanied the women back to the oh. to the to the uh, elevator. And he went down himself and walked around the basement and saw nothing unusual. That it was just the normal storage area with file cabinets and furniture. Hmm. Yep. And there's a couple of other story message boards that were kind of ghost story oriented that recount people having a very similar experience, but none of them have any verifiable details. Like they would just self-identify as John and they would say, oh, that happened to me too, um, without giving like a date or like, you know, anything else. So I'm not putting a whole lot of confidence in that one. But I found it interesting that this fella, Tim and Lee, is at least willing to put his name and job on the line to back up the fact that this pretty famous story was recounted to him. Did they not get the original women? No, the original women did not want to give their names to anyone. Uh, They didn't want any their names written down. They didn't. Yeah, I don't blame them. I'm not going to lie. No kidding, right? I mean, (laughs) that's kind of the irony of paranormal events or ghost stories, right? Is that how many stories of unusual or unexplained things, you know, get swept under the rug because nobody wants to admit to them because everybody's afraid that everyone else is going to think they're crazy. Interesting. You know this about me. Actually, probably our listeners probably know this by this point. I love a good ghost story and I will tell them and I'm not really shy about it and usually when i'm telling ghost stories you know if it's casual conversation people will i'd say 
I'd say one in four people will pipe up and say they have their own experience with something. Mm -hmm. And if I'm talking in like a class or an audience, it is unusual for me not to have someone stay behind and then relate their own story. Like, that. Hey, but that's a ghost story. This mm. is not a ghost story. This is me in an elevator. Me, and my friend in an elevator, traveled back in time. <laughs> right. Fair. That's a little different than I felt a chill when I walked in someplace. Oh no, the stories that I've gotten from people are a lot more than I felt a chill. But oh, I've been to Gettysburg. I got a chill. That's for sure on the battlefield, but okay. So So that's that's, interesting. And yet, yeah, just in the paranormal experiences, that's a little, little more than a ghost story for me. Yes, I I agree. And in the, at the end of this episode, I'm actually, I'm actually going to give a couple of, (laughs) I'm actually going to go to the civil war. (laughs) I am. No, I'm going to give a couple of theories as to how time slip stories have been interpreted in the past. And one of them Microdosing? is Microdosing? <laughs> is that one of them? I have a functionalist perspective just for you. Yeah, you know I love the functionalist perspective. Yeah, I know how you roll. I won't tell you my other Gettysburg College story when I went to um, Gettysburg once. and Yeah, I won't either. It involved <laughs> So anyhow. <laughs> Mine didn't necessarily. I'm just saying that there were people in black hoods and robes. Me and a person who is well, now... you're just you're telling us you're like I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to tell you, guys, but I'm, I'm not going to tell you about the time it was. The I'm going to tell you, and the then night. the I'm circus not tell you that. Yep. came. Yep, and I can tell you any of that. Nope. I was talking about milk, Eric. I was talking about raw milk. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Unpasteurized. Yeah, these things were pasteurized. All right, all right. The second story about time slippage that I want to talk about today is the Woolwich Foot Tunnel. Mm. Yeah, this is in London under the River Thames. Am I pronouncing that right? You are. Okay. Because here in Baltimore, we have a Thames Street and they always say Thames. So I was afraid I was going to screw it up. So underneath the River Thames, there are a couple of foot tunnels so that if you don't want to take a bridge over, you can just sort of walk under these tunnels. Mm-hmm. And there's one called the Woolwich Foot Tunnel. I assume it's named after a location or a person or who knows what. The Guardian in January of 2018 reports, and I quote, purporting to feature an eyewitness account of what went wrong with the delayed Woolwich Foot Tunnel refurbishment. This account described how workers on the project found they could spend hours down in the tunnel working and emerge only minutes after they'd entered. Colleagues would radio across to ask for materials to be sent over to find they've already arrived by the time they put the radio down. People were sharing it on social media with slightly quizzical attitude of, this can't be true, can it? So apparently there was this foot tunnel that was shut down so they could work on it, and the foot tunnel's repair was put off by months and it was only supposed to be closed down for a short period of time. And it like ended up being closed down for the better part of a year. And then there's a blog called the Portal of London blog, which just gives a list of accounts of really weird time anomalies where people would go in and work a fool's day's work and then walk out only to find that it was only like a couple seconds or the opposite would happen, um, that they would... Um, go in for a couple of seconds and find out that in fact they were gone for, for hours or sometimes days. Hmm. 
And so I looked at the Portal of London blog that this referred to, and that's where things get really kind of interesting. The Portal of London blog is actually kind of fun, but I don't know how serious that the writer is expecting us to take it. I love the about section because in the about section, it says important. This blog is not a user's guide. It's unclear why London is such a nexus for portals from doors between worlds to space time crunching wormholes. The city's fabric, dimensionally speaking, seems to be uniquely porous. Mm, Is it ley lines? Right. Tying it all together. See our ley line episode. (laughs) (laughs) I hope I really hope that somewhere someone has a giant cork board and they're like putting thumbtacks and putting strings together. It's like the big jackalope carnival. You're doing that, aren't you? You're doing that. I'm sorry. Your secret is safe with me. I won't tell anyone. (laughs) Exactly. So, right. This guy is making it, but the guy who does the Portal of London blog, or I'm saying guy, but we actually don't know anything about the person. The person wants to remain anonymous. And so I'm not sure if it's a work of fiction or if it's an alternative. Could be a jackalope. It could be an alternative reality game. It's hard to say. And again, this Woolwich Foot Tunnel, these stories first appeared on this blog and then were reported out from the Guardian from the blog. And there's no independent stories where they went out and interviewed anyone directly that I could see. Their only source seems to be the Portals of London blog, which is a lot of fun. And I spent more time than I should have today when it was a beautiful day out sitting inside reading a blog about London and time slips and things. So, and and this is also for our listeners, but if you could get a time slip to some place, what would you, which one would you be most likely to want to go to? How far back can you go in the uh, English speaking world? Anywhere. Yeah. And, and still be understood. I don't know, Eric, you're the expert on time slips right now. So how <laughs> far back do they go? I bet we couldn't go farther back than the 16th century before we get into middle English and you're, you know, you'd have a hard time. So you're saying that time slips only work when they're linguistically possible. I'm just saying you're going to have a hard time, buddy. (laughs) I mean, I mean, unless, you know, those, those Latin scholars in the audience, uh, you have a lot more latitude, (laughs) latitude, or if, you know, if you're a Sanskrit scholar, say, and you happen to time slip back in India, uh, you're going to be in a lot better shape. But was Sanskrit ever spoken? Isn't that the ancient language of the subcontinent? I know it is a written language now, but I don't, I have no idea. That was my I have no idea. (laughs) We should ask our former teacher, who is a Sanskrit scholar. But um, if you're, if you are a student of ancient languages, then you have, you know, at least that. But otherwise, you know, you're going to be, it's like being dropped into a country that you don't speak the language. Because in fact, you are being dropped into a country in which you don't speak the language. You never answered the question of exactly where you'd want to go. Me? Okay. So am I doing the whole, like, I'm thinking in a very logical way. I need to be able to navigate language and custom and things like that. Or I can go anywhere and just assume that I'm going to eventually learn language. Well, I don't think you get to choose your time slip, but where would you go? Choose your own time slip. I am fascinated, actually, by a time period that's not that far away. I'm actually fascinated. Is it the disco 70s? Because that's where I'd want to go. <laughs> There's no chance that you'd be understood in the disco 70s, Becca. Uh, the language uh, uh, the language golf is just way too large. 
yeah, I just, I want to be in the disco scene. Groovy, man. Don't hit those disco biscuits. Which is like so not cool. And like the cool kids were not the ones listening to disco, but that's what I'd be doing. And as someone who's known you for a very long time, I can back up. That's exactly where you would go. (laughs) It was never a question. No. No. I recall you in your teens watching Brady Bunch. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. If I was like five o'clock every night, (laughs) Nick at night. That's right. Right. I'm fascinated actually by the beginning of the 20th century. Okay. I was, I was just recently in San Francisco and I was really disappointed that I wasn't, it didn't look as noir as I'd hoped. Um, It was foggy and cold. So there was that, but yeah, I was, you know, I was kind of hoping for like, I was hoping to see someone who looks like Sam Spade in a trench coat. It could have been you. It could have been you. Why didn't you do it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. So is that all you have for us? Tell us. Tell us more. Well, so that's the two stories I have. So the story of the Woolwich Foot Tunnel, which apparently it's open for traffic now. So if you want to go try it yourself, there it is. I do like the what the blog said. People started experimenting. This is the blog author. People started experimenting. He means with the time slips. Some of the guys camped out in there to see how long they could Three days and nights it was, and they still came back at the same time they'd left. That freaked out the site manager. Um, He was having a nightmare with timetables as it was. The biggest problem was making sure that if anyone from head office came down, it wouldn't look like he was sending people home 10 minutes after they logged on, although that's exactly what he was doing. Anyway, he soon put a stop to all that mucking about. So... Maybe this is all just a big story to cover up the fact that they had a foot tunnel. It was given to contractors and the project went eight months over. Or Mm -hmm. it didn't go eight months over. That was some time slip. There you go. So what are your theories on this? So what are the theories of, of time slippage? Well, here's the thing. I was looking for how back, how far back this goes. And I looked Again, the the Mark Twain book came to mind and I was discounting any story or account that involves a time machine, you know, in fiction that feels to me like a very different thing. Like time slips are sort of like you're walking down the street and boom, it's the wrong time or you're opening an elevator door and boom, it's the wrong time. So there's no obvious machine or way that's making this happen. It just sort of happens to you. Eric, from what I understood as well, wasn't it like you could be walking down the street, you're in your time, but somebody, and you you mentioned this earlier, like somebody from another time walks past you. Funny, you should mention that. So one of the first ways that I was thinking that this might be interpreted, since the idea of time travel is actually pretty new, and some of the more strange physics interpretations of this all even newer, some people interpret these as like kind of creepy ghost stories. And I have to say that my own ghost story actually might be a time slip. If you remember back to the episode where I told the story about the woman in the blue dress and the woman in the blue dress was wearing uh, late 19th century clothing. And in fact, we assumed that she was a woman in the late 19th century who lived in that area. We even had her name. Maybe she wasn't a ghost at all. And maybe instead she was just a woman out of time. And we were just kind of seeing her in our time. So some time slip stories may in fact be interpreted as ghost stories. Another interpretation could be, and this goes back even further, they were seen as sort of spiritual events. 
like oracles seeing the future, like you have a vision of the future. So it's not interpreted as time slips, like you did some time travel, but rather you had a vision and spiritually the God or the gods allowed you a vision of the future. And so some of the ancient tales of people predicting the future, of being prophets, of being oracles or visionaries, wouldn't see these as time slips, but rather visions of the future. And then those things came true. But the past, how does that fit in with visions of the past? Just another vision of the gods? Is that what you're saying? Sure. Yeah, that's a good point. Because both the time slips that we talked about today were, well, the... the um, Yeah, and do the gods bring your elevator as well? Because that seems like your first one. It was two women in an elevator. Gods can bring elevators. Sure. Elevator of the Gods. That's our band name for the week. <laughs> Sounds like an Eric Von Daniken novel, to be perfectly honest. But Elevator sure. of the Gods. But I like it. <laughs> Let's go with it. So the two other explanations are a lot more uh, modern, I should say. And I sent you this article earlier, the one from Psychology Today. And this is the multiverse interpretation. This is, yeah, this is where I got all critical. I was reading Psychology Today. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of a surprising place because in there, Lisa Broderick writes in her column where physics meets psychology and psychology today is normally a pretty materialist leaning publication. But in January 9th of 2022, Lisa Broderick, who writes this column regularly, wrote Time Slips, the Multiverse and You, which I thought was a fantastic title. And I'm going to quote her here. What she writes in that article, she says, I enjoyed the article, by the way. I know that it drove you a little bit nuts. Quote, one explanation is a credible but controversial scientific theory called the multiverse theory. Yeah. It sounds not only preposterous, but also like a lot of work for the universe. Imagine a new universe traveling along its own unique timeline created out of every moment of time. This theory suggests there might be an infinite number of universes. It also explains how time slips might be real. In other words, I think what she's saying is, if I'm getting this right, is that you're not slipping into a previous or future or past part of our timeline, but you're glimpsing a alternate reality, which is similar to ours, but not exactly in sync. Is like another dimension because you love talking about other dimensions. I do. And I'm not the only one. I mean, goodness. Have you seen the, um, the new Doctor Strange movie? No, I actually haven't. Ah, it's uh, called The Multiverse of Madness. It's, hey, it's big Hollywood, man. It's money. Or Stranger Things, which is a very popular show right now. Yes. Yes. Yes, I have seen it. Or do you know what I watched recently from beginning to end for the first mm-hmm. time instead of watching it episodically? What? Do you remember Lost? No, I no. never watched it. Oh, well, if you get really bored and you want to binge watch something, I suggest it. Although it's a different experience watching binge watching it rather than having to wait every week for a new episode. But anyway, one of the things in there involved time space hankiness. So, yeah, it's it's a kind of a sci-fi trope at this point, don't you say? Yeah, I mean, I was watching I watched speaking of since we're telling what we're watching. What are you guys <laughs> watching? I was watching The Umbrella Academy and they talk about which she talks about in that article, The Grandfather Paradox. Mhm. And they they explore it in the show. What is um, the grandfather paradox, Rebecca? <laughs> the grandfather paradox. If your grandfather doesn't exist, how do you exist in that universe? Essentially, they did a really good explanation on season three of 
the Umbrella Academy. So if you want a better explanation than mine, <laughs> I would recommend you watch it. Well, my but under- that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, so can you exist in a universe that your parents ex- haven't existed in? Right. And my understanding is, is the quandary is if you go back in time and kill your grandfather or someone. Yes, that's the idea. Yes. Then do you just kind of disappear? Yeah. And how does that work? I mean, those, those questions are really dizzying too, because you do get into a lot of different theories, but they were saying in that article that you gave me that the thought is, is that you're, you're not actually killing your grandfather. You're killing a different version, a different universe. Right. So you've gone through the multiverse. This is a different manifestation of your grandfather, not your physical grandfather, but the grandfather of the you that would be in that universe. So in that timeline, yes, you will not exist. But that But that, you already exist in your timeline correct. because you did have a grandfather that you did not kill. Yes. Yes. So if y'all like thinking about time and things like that. I recommend a a fiction book. It's by a physicist who also teaches humanities. And I have begged Eric to read this book. I don't know if you ever did. It's called Einstein's Dreams by Alan Lightman. And it was written in the 90s. And he is interesting because Alan Lightman tries to look at both science and humanities. So he tries to find a unity between them and talks about, you know, they both get us to this place where we're sort of disembodied creatives and we can kind of, I like to think of it as, you know, that zone that you get in when you're doing something and you're so engaged. Um, You might think of it as mindfulness. I know that's a really popular term from Buddhism. You're talking about uh, flow state. Flow state. Exactly. Chick sent me high, right? That's the, (laughs) the guy who described flow state. He's awesome. It's it's an interesting book, and it, it gives fictional account of stories about different universes, about love, um, about different times. It's interesting, so give it a try if you want. It's a quick read. I just finished reading Never Let Me Go. Mm-hmm. This is the Jackalope Carnival Book Club. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, your reading list by Ishiguru, um, which is fantastic. And it kind of, it, it doesn't quite do the time slip thing, but it's set in a parallel universe because it refers to things that would be in our universe, but some very important things are different. And well, I don't want to tell you, Eric, I feel like I'm set in a parallel universe the past few years, but <laughs> yeah. Well, well, actually what was that? It was like a meme on social media where like maybe the explanation for the past couple of years is, is that somebody keeps trying to go back in time and fix things. And it just paradoxically keeps like causing more and more problems. That like, might be yeah, it. I don't know. Yeah. Well, so that can was I give really you interesting. The last one. And now I'm slapping the word functionalist perspective on this. Although okay. the writer herself just... did not use that word, but you are the mistress of functionalism. Tell me if this jibes with it. That's our first song from our new album <laughs> that we're doing. It's a disco opera. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> and this is from Lucy Elvin. And she wrote in New York Times in November of 2021. And she wrote an article called How I Became Obsessed with Accidental Time Travel. Uh, The subtitle to that is, The web is awash with ordinary people's stories of time slips. Their real magic is what they can tell us about our relationship to time. And so Lucy Elvin writes in her article for New York Times, quote, It sounds not only preposterous, but also like a lot of work for the universe. 
Oh. Oh, wait. I feel like time just... travel. Huh. <laughs> what? Wait. Did we just have a time slip? Yeah, I think we did. I think I. I think I accidentally um, misattributed her this quote back to someone else. I wonder oh. if I can fix that or if we'll just have to keep this paradox. Well, anyway, back to Lucy Elvin, because I really love what she's saying. Well, I think that's something interesting, though, when you think about it, because I don't whoever said that quote. The thing is, is time is crazy, right? The truth of the matter is, is that higher altitudes, time passes faster. They know this. Yes. This is something that's true. It's literally um, the theory of relativity. Is, which is why I left Colorado, went to the flatlands. Um, <laughs> but right. So time is weird. We don't fully understand time. So but that's not where Lucy I find Alvin's these going. interesting because I just don't know. I think that, you know, possibly when you're bringing the elevator, you know, there might have been some recreational drugs involved, whether they were taken by voluntarily or not. Um, someone slipped them something. But I don't know. So I'm not besmirching these women, but here's what uh, Lucy Elvin, in fact, said. She said, if you suspend disbelief, you'll find these threads constitute a philosophical inquiry about the place of the spirit in our physical beings. They debate the merits of subjectivity and objectivity and question the idea that time is a one lane highway to death. Yeah, I love that. Is that that sounded functionalist to me? That's why I, I slapped that title on it. Well, I love it, but it also really fits for Jackalope Carnival because we look at belief, and also because you know, I think that belief is whether whether it's real or not doesn't matter. It's the fact that we as human beings have these beliefs, and exploring those beliefs is tells us something. So yeah, I like what she said. Well, there you have it, folks. So that's what I have for today on Time Slips. And we will have a new episode out for you in a couple of weeks. Thank you for coming back and listening to us. And take care, everyone. Wado. Take care. So I don't see what that has to do with this. Uh, we can talk about Land of the Lost. No. Okay, we can't. I barely remember it. I love Land of the Lost. All right, cool. My name is of no consequence. The important thing you should know is that I am the last who remembers how each of us, man and woman, made his own decision. Some chose to take refuge in the great caverns and find a new way of life far below.